Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 422. It's KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. We got a lot to dive into across the three teams that actually are active and or give a damn about winning. Uh, plus, we're going to get into our obvious uh, buffs and snuffs survivor segment at the end of the show for the real ones. If this is your first time watching the show, because we now are on YouTube, welcome in. To underground sports philadelphia uh be sure to subscribe to the youtube channel click the like button bell icon comment down below be a friend tell a friend about the youtube channel uh all you got to do is search underground sports philadelphia on youtube and you'll find the channel uh follow us on the socials as well at underground phi on twitter and instagram you can follow matt on twitter at matt castarina you can follow me at kbizzl311 Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us those five-star ratings and reviews. We're still cooking in Armenia, Matt. They're still loving the show. Good to hear. Uh, And, of course, like I said, subscribe to the YouTube channel uh, and help us, you know, build that presence over on YouTube. Big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. You guys can go to TomahawkShades.com and use promo code USP for 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. The official uh, sponsor and partner of the NL East Run Differential, which we'll get into our pals over at Pickup. Go to PlayPickup.com. Start building up your fan profile. Get points for getting props correct. It's free to play. Anybody can play. And uh, cash them in for prizes on the Pickup Marketplace. That's playpickup.com. And Kenwood Beer. Go to kenwoodbeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. What's going on, Matt? Live in the dream. We are indeed. Uh, let's kick things off with the most on-brand 420 win of all time. The Phillies win 6-9 to nine in Denver, Colorado on 420. Bringing legal weed home with them. Just <laughs> incredible stuff. Nick Castellanos goes deep. Alec Bohm goes deep. A very on-brand game for this podcast. Uh, and then, of course, Johan Camargo seals the deal with a three-run home run to end it all. Uh, but the Phillies do lose the series in Colorado because that's exactly what they do. They are now 10-22 and 22, uh, in Colorado over their last, you know, 32 games. They have not had a winning season in Colorado since 2012. And I don't know what's, what's which one's worse, their, their curse against the Marlins or this unbeaten path against the Rockies. It's the Marlins because that, uh, I think, disrupts the Phillies the most. The Rockies is just frustrating. The Marlins is soul crushing. Yes. Um, 
Cassiano's obviously hit a home run today, and uh, right at the same time, the Utah Jazz tweeted, uh, were said by the news that Freeman Williams, for former Utah Jasmine, has passed away at the age of 65. He strikes again. I mean, truly, just a harbinger. <laughs> I'm ready to call him Dr. Doom. It's uncanny. There's a soccer player, Ann Ramsey, who every time he scored, a celebrity died. Oh, my God. Um, so he is like the the transatlantic Aaron Ramsey. And that, like every every time Aaron Ramsey scored, a celebrity died that day. It's unreal. Um, so we have that. We got that going for us. Um, I went through this on the, the last episode, which is now up on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. The Phillies have literally swept, uh, you know, flip-flopped and swapped uh, winning and losing records with the Marlins over the course of decades. So – the Marlins came into inception the year we were born. Um, and in the 90s, the Phillies had a winning record against the Marlins. In the 2000s, oddly enough, losing record. The 2010s, they absolutely dominated them and did not finish a single year without 10 or more wins. And now in the Joe Girardi era, because that is all of the 2020s, they are well below 500. <laughs> and the Phillies are off to just a, a disappointing start to this season overall now after this uh, seven-game road trip against the Marlins and Rockies that they should have been able to dominate knowing what they have on paper, but the pitching, it, it kind of came to a head in that Marlins series. Ooh, who could have predicted that? <laughs> and oddly enough, it was the starting pitching. And yeah. then uh, the offense just continues to – I mean, today, obviously, nine runs, but it Here has been Colorado, so inconsistent. Like playing with the sliders <laughs> – uh, boosted up a little bit um concerning is the right word because uh the Mets and Marlins series both could have been sweeps yes. I mean you know and many of those games the Phillies were not good in at all I mean we're like thoroughly outplayed uh and at times whitewashed <laughs> there's a time on Easter Sunday where it seemed like the Phillies were could have gone down like 12 13 nothing um, and that was on a, a Zach Wheeler day. And yeah. that was just like incredibly efficient hitting from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that you want to like lay at Wheeler's feet, but it is a troubling trend of like the Phillies starting pitching, not being as good as you'd like them to be and not getting consistent run out of the bats either. Um, you've had nice days from them so far, but not nearly at the rate that you'd, you'd hope for, uh, at least at this stage of the season. And yeah, still like the starting pitching has had some, I think some unfortunate outings. I don't know if that's like truly what this this team is going to be. Um, but no relief pitcher still for me is like, trust this guy with my life. Um, I, I still no. worry about that end too. And yeah, that's that's the frustrating aspect is you, you find yourself just worrying a lot about this team more than you would hope you'd, you'd be worrying about them this stage of the season. And we should have banked on Jerry's Familia being the first reliever to uh, blow a save because... yeah. He's, he's just a plant from the New York Mets, but um, worked. It's worked out for us pretty well, have to say. Usually, yeah. arms from from the Mets have worked out pretty nice for us. So, uh, but to only score in two games combined six runs in the first two games of this series against the Rockies, like you said, in Colorado, it's just inexcusable. Especially the game where you score one run, um, it, it just doesn't make any logical sense to why you have all these guys who can hit and. Uh, something I saw on Twitter is like the Phillies are just like swinging away and they're not taking pitches, which fortunately enough for something like that in baseball that can be fixed. But 
the fact that they're just like allowing themselves to hack away early and, and get down in, in counts that are forcing pitchers to be able to kind of just do whatever they want against them is a big issue for this offense. And I think another thing is Joe Girardi just is throwing out different lineups every single day. There's no consistency, and it's not letting guys get comfortable to where they're accustomed to hitting. Yeah, I think part of that, too, is trying to find what lineup is best as well because mm-hmm. you're still so early in the season. I'll say this. A few of these good offensive performances have come without DD. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's a coincidence. He's um, been pretty bad. Comfortably the worst starter. Like, there are a few rotational guys that have not uh, been very good, but I, anyone that you would expect to, like, ring off – like the names on, on like the starting sheet, Didi has been a tier or several below those yeah. guys. Um, and I, I just can't help but feel that that's not a coincidence that today's explosion comes without him. Camargo, by the way, has been fantastic. Not a, not a name either that was really on my mind coming into the year as someone that was going to be like a difference maker. He was supposed to kind of be that on. utility bench guy. He's been hot to start. We've had guys like this. Uh, everyone remembers Bamboo Brad, um, similar, similar type of ilk, but... Um, hopefully he has staying power. And Bohm's been good, too, to start the season. Uh, defensively, still issues. But if he hits like this, I mean, shit. Like, that's what the DH is for. <laughs> that's that's why you got the DH, baby. Like, let him have it. Um, like, good grief. Yeah, so... At one point, he was hitting, like, 700. Yeah. And that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> no, yeah, he was <laughs> he's on, like, Barry Bonds' pace. But, yeah, he's um, he's looked good, at, at least. And that's, that's a bright spot for the Phillies. There are, like, those bright spots. And... Mm-hmm. I think, too, this has been a, a team that historically has started out hot and is disappointed. Maybe, maybe they're they're reversing that trend, right? Where normally it's, like, looking good all through April, and then, like, Memorial Day is where it takes a sour turn. Maybe this year it's going to look bad up until Memorial Day, and then it'll take a positive turn. That's what I'm hoping Something for, tells least. me they're just doing this to make sure the Sixers have all the full-fledged support yeah. in the first round of the playoffs. Because, like, like Bohm is just on fire, which is very great for our standings as a podcast because we put a lot of eggs into the Alec Bohm basket. And to see him hit, I, like, and it's all stemmed from the moment where he said, I fucking hate this place. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out when we gave him that standing ovation, we granted him uh, the release that he needed. So... There we go. Exercise some demons. Like he's hitting 471 this year. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'd say so. Slugging 588 and over 1,000 OPS. To put that into context, over 1,000 OPS for a season is like one. That's like one of the top 10 best seasons ever. Yes. Not that that's going to sustain, right? But like that would be truly one of like. And half of that list is Barry Bonds. The other half are like guys from the 50s. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds. I think there's a Mike Trout year in there, maybe. But And then the rest of them are like <laughs> Reginald Fitzgerald. <laughs> Jazz, Spokane, Washington. Like, <laughs> Burgermeister, Meisterburger. Dick Havlett or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> just dumb names like that. But yeah, I mean. It's it's not what you you would hope for for the Phillies. The the big concern, like I said, is that in the Mets and Marlins series, because that's where like obviously this the bulkier season is yeah. is in divisional play. Um, that Mets series was frankly, I mean, not like we said outside of that collapse um, in the second game. You know, you're you're getting swept in that series, and I did not think they looked good for ninety eight percent of that Marlins series. No, it was the one game that you right. know. 
ironically enough, was not on TV. <laughs> right. That was impossible to watch, which also coincided with the Sixers game one. So yes, really nobody had to have the Flyers. Well, on it's TV. funny because I was trying to. I was at a like get together, and there was another person there that was like into Philly sports. So we were like watching the Sixers game. He's like, "Well, let's throw in the Philly because it was like I think like in between quarters." Yeah. Trying to find the Phillies game, impossible. Uh, turns out you could only access it if you had Bally's Central Florida Sports or something, yeah. South Florida or Sports. the or, My Teams app. Or the My Teams app or MLB Extra Innings. And it's like, well, I'm just not watching the Phillies today. All right. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, I mean, like, the offense has been so... Very inconsistent. To say the least. Yes. I mean, you had those two uh, games where they looked really good. Like, even the, the game we were at against the A's, like, they only scored four runs, but, like, it felt like they were, like, consistently, like, hitting and, like, working counts and stuff. And then... It's all been like so hit or miss from there. And like the lopsided losses are the things that I think are so frustrating because it was billed for this team. Like, yeah, we're just going to go out, hit everybody. And they have been doing the exact opposite of that. Like, to this early in the season, have, uh, you know, a 9 6 loss to the Mets, a 7 1 loss to the Marlins, an 11 3 loss to the Marlins. And then yesterday, I mean, you, you kind of blame a little on the umpire in that game on Tuesday night. I don't know if you saw this. Sir Anthony Dominguez effectively struck out Charlie Blackman, yeah. um, which, again, dates back to just the, the, the umpires this year being pretty bad to start the season. Um, and that's kind of what cost the Phillies the game because then Chris Bryant gets a bloop infield hit, and then, boom, C.J. Crone sends one to the moon off of Jerry's Familia. But Phillies are 5-8 and eight now in the standings theoretically in last place just because they've played so many games um you just got to win these division games like we've said it time and time again for the last four years win the division games that's what's most important and they just continue to falter against you know the Mets on paper and and so far this year have been a very good team but like the Marlins are nobody I could name like four guys on the Marlins roster right now and then you should have been able to beat the Rockies in two out of three Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, yes. it's that simple. <laughs> There's really nothing more to add. Like, that's just, that is the root. And, I mean, not getting much easier because you have the Brewers. At least you come home, which yeah. is nice. You get the Brewers for three. Andrew McCutcheon, I'm sure, will get a nice ovation Friday night for his first game I'm sure back. that, that uh, great starting pitching by the Brewers, too, is going to set on real destroy nice. Destroy us. <laughs> and then the Rockies come in, and then you finish the month of April against the Mets. Fun times. It's, it's tough being under 500 uh, this time of year and by a, a not-so-insignificant margin. It is tough, and uh, what's even more tough is looking at the NLE's run differential, which is just brought to you by mind. our pals over at Pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com and play along all season with myself and Matt and everybody else uh, with the NLE's run differentials, the best and the worst for the month of April and every month following this month and then for the entire season long stretch you can also place a prop on who will have the best and worst run differential in the nl east it's playpickup.com it's the best place to play the hottest headlines in sports you build up your fan profiles cash your points in for prizes it's free to play and anybody can play uh so go to playpickup.com now and start playing those headlines this this nl east is just a dreck right now it is so bad. The New York Mets leading the way at plus 29, and they are the only team with a positive run differential. Uh, the Phillies and Nationals both at minus 10. 
the Miami Marlins at minus two, and the defending uh, champs, quote-unquote, minus 14. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. At least we're at the Reds with a minus 31 run differential. That's tough Jeez, to do after uh, after 12 games. Arizona's at minus 26. Arizona has only scored 22 runs this year. <laughs> Admittedly, they've played a, f- a few less games. They're only on 11 games. But Did beat the Mets. 22 runs. They're the only team in the NL West with a negative run differential, too. NL West is tough, man. Um, yeah, the Marlins, same as last year where their run differential is hilarious because mm-hmm. they don't score very much unless they play the Phillies. Yes. By the way, I think like <laughs> I think like 70% of their runs scored this year came against the Phillies in that series. Um but then they they just don't give up much either because they do have good starting pitching. Um so yeah, it's funny. They're going to finish, you know, I don't know, like high 70s wins, low like mid mid 70s somewhere and probably have like like a negative 20 run yeah. differential something stupid. stupid like something pretty respectable in the end like absolutely insane um yeah the really i think just what it is the analyst is not looking it's kind of funny though because it hasn't looked good really any of the last few years no. but it's produced two world series winners <laughs> two of the last three so makes sense every of that. time i see that i just get more and more confused as to how especially the stupid nationals it's just it's just it's something about the Mid-Atlantic. I don't know what it is. Uh, and they were showing on Sunday Night Baseball, which, fun enough, the Phillies back-to-back Sundays. This coming Sunday and the following will be on Sunday Night Baseball. Um, Bryce Harper will be mic'd up this Sunday. And uh, they were showing like the, the records versus the worst teams in uh, 2022. And every, every team from like 2017 to 2020 – was like in the top six, and then showed the Braves who finished thirteenth. It's stupid. And whoever the announcer was goes, "Well, yeah, they they only won eighty eight games last year, so it it, was, it makes sense that they'd be <laughs> in this position." What a dumb division! What a dumb division we play. I was so listening stupid. to a podcast and they were talking about how they might um, realign some of the divisions and stuff because. It was interesting because like they were talking about how there's no functional difference anymore between NL and AL because mm-hmm. designated hitter was really the last thing that was of any actual difference. Right. Um, and they were talking about how that might lead to like some reshuffling and like you know we've had teams switch between leagues yeah. and stuff, um, but now that it means nothing competitively mm-hmm. that that could open that pathway. Um, 
and I want to say someone suggested that it was like a, a Red Sox, Yankees, Mets, Phillies division. Oh. I was like, I stop watching baseball. Like, That's horrendous. I, I was like, I think I'd stop watching baseball if that happened. I think I think my heart couldn't take it. I couldn't take the Yankees fans. No. I couldn't take the Red Sox fans. Not at all. And I sure would not love to be lumped in with the Mets. God. That would that is like That's nightmare fuel. You had the Cardinals to that? That's like <laughs> You want me to stop watching baseball. That's like the sinister six. Yeah, throw them, the San Francisco Giants in there. <laughs> Yeah, somehow. Yeah. <laughs> the Eastern Atlantic God. Division introducing the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> they were formerly the New York Giants, so we thought it made sense. Yeah. That's Almighty. awful. So were they basically saying like four teams each? So division? yeah, it was um it was the Athletics baseball okay. show and Ken Rosenthal was talking about it. He seemed like pretty not I don't want to say pretty certain, but he seemed like more than just like I think this might happen. More to mm-hmm. like it's probably gonna happen one day, like sooner than you Especially realize. Especially if that they do this whole like, expansion. Right, he thing said there's, and he Nashville. was saying that there's there's gonna be two teams yeah. added, you know, and that could be when that realignment maybe happens. I don't know if it'd be something like that, but he said it does make sense to maybe shuffle things around a little bit and because the out. teams that I are, I can't imagine the Mets and Yankees being in the same division no. though. Like they love anytime there's uh, they you know that a, up. a two city. Yeah. Uh, two sports city they always split them you know conference wise which makes sense yeah, i think like, the only one that's or no yeah because it's the the dodgers and angels or nlal royals and cardinals mets yankees um nationals orioles because hmm. those are the ones that they kind of like oh it's this series yeah and then they do nothing for the phillies and pirates because the pirates are a fake organization you don't like the Keystone <laughs> rivalry? What a terrible, terrible name for a rivalry. How are the Pirates looking? Can they start losing more games? Uh, they're doing their best. <laughs> Believe me. Still somehow not in last place, though. Because of the Reds. Yeah. Reds in their minus 31 the, run difference. I got the Futures ticket on the Pirates <laughs> to be the worst team in baseball. Yeah. Uh, well, should have been more of the they, Diamondbacks, I guess. Once they trade Brian Reynolds, it'll be... It'll yeah. be much better for me. Rangers, surprisingly. Two and eight. That's tough. That's very surprising. Especially so after they all the moves so much they made. All that. Yeah. Orioles were like the favorite, right? Yeah, it was Orioles, down. Pirates, Diamondbacks, and yeah. then Reds and Nationals tied. Nationals not having a bad start to the season. Good for... Well, mm. let me stop that sentence, but... Mm. <laughs> not so much not so much baseball you gotta love it you gotta love it uh we're gonna dive into the sixers now but stick around because we're gonna announce our winner of our nick castellanos jersey giveaway later on in the show um but let's dive into those 76ers heading up to the six without matisse Thibel, obviously up 2-0 which is everything and more that you could ask for uh he took care of home court advantage in convincing fashion both games and Nick Nurse might just be one of the most annoying coaches of all time and Raptors fans are quickly climbing up my rankings of goofiest fan base of all time because these tweets that they're getting off are ludicrous yeah the uh the diaper filling that is happening in Toronto is uh is unreal normally you have to wait we were talking about how 
uh, the NHL is going so late this season. And normally you have to wait till the Leafs get swept in round one uh, to get this kind of stuff from Toronto fans. But I guess I guess they have nothing else to pretend to care about. Um, it is weird. I've never, I've really never seen anything like it. Uh, the last time, funnily enough, was like the Harden Rockets. People hated on him so much. What's funny though is, I, I hate to interrupt, Matt. We have breaking news from John Rothstein. Uh oh. Jay Wright is expected to step down at Villanova. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> okay, there's a scandal incoming. Clearly, <laughs> I'm sorry, but Daryl. I'm sorry, but that can only mean one thing. That there's no way he's just like voluntarily stepping unless it's like a health thing family thing something like that um those are like the three things health family or he was the bag man and he got caught <laughs> holy shit that's i mean that's uh news you never expected to hear voluntarily stepping down is interesting wording for that is all i'll say that's an interesting way to say it Fordham's Kyle Neptune is expected to be Jay Wright's successor at Villanova. Never heard of him. <laughs> That's shocking. Holy shit. That is shocking stuff. There's always some sort of breaking news on this fucking podcast. That's the way it goes. Castellanos said home run today. That's, That's true. Why. There it there is. It, is. <laughs> it wasn't the jazz man. It was. Wow. <laughs> it was one of the Wright brothers. Um, Doc, your days are numbered. God willing. Um, that, that has to be something, right? I'm telling you that like there's voluntarily stepping down sounds I'm, sinister isn't the right word, but it sounds like someone's like, Hey, like he's voluntarily stepping down. He's not fired unless it's, it's like, not what it looks like, which we hope it's not health yeah, yeah, related. Right. Like unless it's something with health or something like that, but because Jay Wright has been one of those guys that has been at the forefront of like, no, I love it here at Villanova. Yeah, when a few years ago, when like the Sixers were interested and like at least um, rumored to be interested, that is insane. People were all about him, and, and yeah, it was like the, right after the bubble playoffs. That's so strange. Not a particularly old coach either. Like it's no. not like whatever. Maybe he just wants to be with family. Fair enough. I just I don't know. I Weird. Mean, He's I would 60. Say, Holy shit. I did not realize he was 60. Looks great for 60. Jesus. I'd take Jay Wright in a heartbeat if Doc goes to LA. <laughs> wow. Well, shall we talk about the other basketball team that plays at Wells Fargo's? Um, the interesting thing about the Raptors stuff and the fans is that, you know, the fouls... I don't know. I, I haven't seen any of it this year with the fouls on the Sixers and felt like they were getting calls, right. phantom calls. I know Harden in the past has been able, and I, I think there's been a few of those um, in this series and, and since he became a Sixers. Like, yeah, I could see how, you know, if I was, and I can remember what it was like to watch Harden play, but like, I would have been a little pissed off with that. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Um, the Embiid stuff is, like, unbelievable to me. Yes. He's constantly fouled. In fact, he probably doesn't get enough foul calls. If you can be, I'm sorry, but a guy who's that quick, that mobile, and that good at that size is yeah, just gonna get fouled because especially when you don't have size on your team like the Raptors, they have good size, but not no one mm -hmm. close to matching up with Embiid. They can't handle him. Like yes, he gets fouled a lot. Sorry, um, 
it's weird though because John Morant has 24 free throw attempts in these playoffs, playing almost 10 minutes less than Embiid too. Not a word about John Morant and how ridiculous that is. Spencer, also- Spencer Dinwiddie <laughs> has five less free throw attempts these playoffs. Spencer Dinwiddie. That's crazy. No one's filling their diaper about that. Uh, they also weren't complaining when Hackabend was a thing. Right. That's the thing, too, is like when it was when it's a player that can't make free throws and people hack them, it's like, you just go make your free throws. It's yeah. like, well, don't foul him. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what other advice to give other than just to not foul him. Um, it's amazing because the, it's, it is kind of overblown, uh, some of this, you know, about like this hysteria <laughs> about the... And it's crazy, too, because the foul differential is not even that crazy, either. No. For for the series, it's 14. The The Raptors have committed 50 fouls. Uh, the Sixers have committed 36. You know, like, a that's 14. It's through two games. What, like, roughly seven each game difference? That's not that crazy. No. Like, that's really not. I don't get it. I don't get the, uh, the hysteria about how the Sixers are stealing this. Also... You were boat raced both games. Yes. It's not like this was a close game and you could make the argument that, oh, you know, like lost by five if some of those foul calls go our way, like it's a different game. No, like you were down Demolished. by 30 in both of these games. I'm sorry. Yeah, it sucks that Scotty Barnes got hurt in the first yes. game and, and Trent Jr. was like uh, sick to start and that young hasn't been like, sorry that all those things happened. It's not your fault and it sucks, but like you were well beat <laughs> outside yeah, of the free throws. Destroyed. Um, and what's funny too, is so I was reading, I was reading the NBA.com article, by the way. This is the NBA.com article. No bias or spin on this. In fact, you'd expect the opposite from the NBA, Correct. who historically have not cared for the Sixers, that don't like Embiid, any of it. Actively hate the Sixers, if you will. Right. Um, Joel Embiid took a stiff arm moments after tip-off, and the seven-footer pushed back. Trying to keep his composure, Embiid absorbed a few more deliberate blows from a Raptors defense, clearly trying to bully the big guy. That is the first paragraph. Wow. <laughs> from the NBA.com article. Bullying. From, like, the Philly voice. Right. This isn't from the Liberty Ballers. This, this is, is the NBA.com This writer. is not the this homie is Kyle Dan Newback. Dan Gelston, an AP sports writer. It's not Kyle Newback or Derek Bodner. <laughs> Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer. Upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it we always goes. Like 45 like, minutes and we're at like Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. 
It's unbelievable. Embiid took foul after foul. He rubbed parts of his shoulder and elbows and shook off at least one foot injury and made 12 of 14 three throws. Sorry. Sorry to say. Also, I loved the... Uh... Let me find it here. The NBA tweeted this out today, too. After a gut-wrenching playoff loss in Toronto three years ago, Joel Embiid returns hungrier than ever. Sixers-Raptors game three tonight on NBA TV. I also love how Maxi has become the poster child for all of the uh, the branding and everything for the playoffs for the love Sixers. Him. Yeah, it's interesting the series going back to Toronto now. Um, obviously, the, the first two games went very well for the Sixers. Looked good, too. I, I think that's what's an impressive. Um, Harden's creation has been fantastic. Haven't seen the scoring burst like we had hoped. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that could be an issue like in later series or even in this one, right? We'll see, we'll see what happens tonight. But his creativity, his passing is is amazing. Uh, one of the assist leaders for the playoffs as well. If it wasn't for a man named Chris Paul, he would be. Um, and B, yeah, in the first game, it wasn't even amazing. In the second game, I wouldn't even say that was one of his most impressive performances. He was very good. Matched but, his point total in yeah. the first quarter in game two that he had all of game one. Right. Well, it's because of all the free throws, Kyle. But, True. Um, the Raptors won 87-86 without free throws, man. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, if you discounted all the things that make me unhappy, uh, it's so stupid. It's 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 frustrating too because like, we've had to contend with like Jokic stands for the last month, devaluing what Embiid does, and now you're having the same thing with like Toronto fans. It's like I I just don't get it. No, I, I don't I don't get the uh, the disdain too. You have two of the most double teamed players on the same team, Harden and Embiid. If you look at at the NBA that. Top seven most double-teamed players in the league, Harden and Bede are in there. I think Harden's like the second most double-teamed player, and Bede's the sixth or seventh. It's only natural that those guys are going to probably fight through those double-teams and end up getting fouled because teams have to pay a ton of attention then because they're both like mercurial players that can take over games. It's almost like one of them is an MVP candidate. One of them should have had two or three MVPs by this stage of his career. Like... Sorry, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you that you don't have any of the three best players in this series right now. That's no. it. But going back to Toronto is is going to be tough. Um, no Thibel. We'll see how that goes. Danny Green, I think, it, it can fantastic. Can, can fill in. He's he's played well against Toronto really all year, um, and he's looked pretty good so far this series. So you'd expect him to get a, a boost in minutes. Perhaps Corkmas gets some look. Paul Reed has been playing. B-Ball Paul has entered the building. Um, DeAndre Jordan has left, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what's up with that, but I long may continue. They locked him in his house. God, I, I sure hope so. The Mavs can take him. If, if they want help <laughs> to get past the Jazz, I, I'd be glad to, to like loan him out. But um, that's been shocking. I, I've actually been pleasantly surprised with... God, I, why am I saying this? Why am I saying this right before... <laughs> Right before the game, but um, I've been pleasantly surprised with Doc and some of the the decisions so far in this series. That's but not it's not who I thought you were going to say either. <laughs> but this 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 has been the thing though. The Sixers have con- like made a habit of making the first series look good and think, mm-hmm. "Wow, this team looks great," and then you know filling their diaper in the second round. So yeah. that's that's where it's going to matter. But um, you expect going to open in a series that that is a, a significant pull f- towards you and. Scotty Barnes might be back tonight. Uh, we'll see. Uh, it seems like a game-time decision, but um, knowing that the Raptors are a little bit hobbled still has to make it 
you know, very much in the Sixers' favor. I wouldn't be surprised to see them drop one of these games in Toronto, yeah. though. It's especially Game Three. Very often is like the game that uh, that teams drop. You know, you get like a gentleman sweep. It's usually something like that. I don't know that that'll be the case in this series. You know, gentleman sweep. I, I mean, but um, wouldn't be surprised if it's coming back to Philly. You know, having having lost one in Toronto. Yeah, and when you said you were you've been pleasantly surprised by Doc, I've been pleasantly surprised by Tobias Harris lately. Yeah. He's been all very the question good. marks. All the question marks have been good so far. Mm-hmm. It's two games, and it's been, let's be honest, against you know in game two a team that doesn't have great depth that was missing you know functionally two players, and that right. was not really at his best. And Van um, Vliet has that like pinky thing, so like you know they have built in excuses, which I think is why they're deflecting so much about the the free throws rather than contend with the fact that hey. You had a, a very strong year. You got a great young player in Scotty Barnes. You have a lot to look forward to. Instead, it's like this like mud slinging contest, which I just don't understand. I've never like, had an issue with Raptors before this, really. I mean, the Kawhi thing aside, of course, but like even then, I was like, you know, fair enough. Raptors don't really. I didn't have any negative. It's not like the Celtics, you know, where it's like kind of hate them, you know, yeah. like. But even then, I've never felt or said the things that Raptors fans are saying about Embiid. I've never felt that, like, some of it has gotten downright bad. Some of the the tweets about Embiid and what should be done to him. You would think he was, like, part of the convoy in Ottawa. (laughs) Like, I just, I don't get it. I I don't get the vitriol for this guy, truly. Uh, So the, I just got the ESPN notification about Jay Wright. It's basically saying that he's retiring. That's surprising. The last sentence here says, The news of Wright's expected retirement was first reported by The Athletic. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Because isn't he Team USA now, too? I think he is involved. I th- I don't know that he was, like, the Coach K replacement, but I think he was... Um, it was Popovich, right? Yeah. I know that he was involved like the in the, uh, in like the organizational tree. That's surprise. I mean, you know, fair enough though. Like, I think as far as like retirement goes, especially for a lot of these guys, like, I think like leave it early. Yeah. Why not? I didn't realize he was sixty. Honestly, I yeah. thought he was early fifties. I mean, he looked great for his age. So you know, two national not? titles, you've, another like, final four this year. <laughs> like, you've cemented yourself as one of the best coaches of all time honestly yeah like you have an amazing resume nothing left to prove fair enough right off the sunset man yeah arguably top 10 basketball coach of all time i mean resume speaks for itself for for winning more than one national championship alone like and it's put together as it was like championship off your championship and then a final four this year like amazing amazing kind of run so he went on a San Francisco Giants-esque run. <laughs> All even years. Why would you do that? <laughs> one in 16, one in 18. There was no tournament. And you know what's crazy, too? The, the Villanova, too, is like continually produced like good NBA players. Yeah. Like You watch the playoffs, and like everywhere you look, it's a, there's a Villanova player yeah. playing well. Now, if it's Lowry or Bridges or Brunson. like Remember when we were shown uh, Jalen Brunson's high school mixtape? <laughs> yeah. DiVincenzo even is like a, yeah, a, a champion. Like, yeah, it's he won a like, title last year. And apparently he wants out of Sacramento. So, well, come on. Come on home, brother. 
Yeah, I wonder what I wonder what Team Gillespie's gonna find his way on. Right. <laughs> Everybody was saying too because Doug Eater from uh, St. Peter's entered the transfer portal. This is obviously before the news tonight, but they said, "Oh, Jay Wright's gonna turn him into the next great white NBA player." It's true. Uh, the uh, next bit of news we're gonna get into involves a team not currently playing, but they're getting ready for a draft, and it's gonna be brought to you by our friends over at Trophy Smack. Upgrade your fantasy football game because this potential move could implicate a lot of things with fantasy football as well. Uh, they got the trophies, the belts, the rings, and they just introduced the new Smack Talk chains. Uh, very similar to uh, the the turnover chain that the University of Miami has. Uh, so you can go to trophysmack.com. Link is in the show notes of the podcast and in the description of the YouTube video. Help support us. Use our link at trophysmack.com to upgrade your fantasy Smack Talk. See his Debo Samuel news today, Matt. I did. Um, shocking. The NFL has has taken notes from the NBA. I'll say that it has been a reality off, show off season, off season drama. Um, just like name a top wide receiver, and they've either already been traded or have deleted every inkling <laughs> of their relation. Watch to their, them switch uh, up on you. Yeah, <laughs> the enemy speaks <laughs> speaks softly and carries a knife. It's um, one of the best tweets of all time. And, and you know, it's so applicable oh to every God. wide receiver situation. But um yeah, apparently doesn't want to be in San Francisco, which is surprising because I mean, it's not like he's had an exceptionally long time there. Yeah. And it seems like he's a focal point of the I mean, especially from this past year, was like the guy in that system and that offense. And you'd have to think that'd be the case going forward. But um I don't know where he ends up that would be better for him i don't know i because he's so interesting too in that he's i think like part of this next generation of football player and you're seeing this a lot with like quarterback too right mm -hmm. where it's like it's no longer good enough to be good at one thing and you're seeing this really i would say all throughout sports like sports now is all about okay well how versatile are you like you right. can't be there's no room i would say in most sports now for being a, a specialist you have to be good at everything and he is become not just the best wide receiver but the best running back and can be used in in multitude of ways and i, I think is going to be the type of like athlete the type of player that you see going forward and it's the same for quarterback too like where you're going to see these guys now that can just run for a thousand mm -hmm. yards a season and also throw for four thousand like that's just it that's just how it's gonna go <laughs> and from the reports today it sounds like part of the reason he wants out is he's not in favor of how he's being used so I don't know if that's like he's just tired of being used as a running back or whatever. When but, you play that good, I don't know. What, <laughs> yeah, and then it's all it's also boiling down to money and him wanting to get paid now rather than later. Um, but I mean, from an Eagles perspective, if you're Howie Roseman, you got to at least make the phone call and be like, okay, what's it gonna take? Because have a chat. You, you put Debo Samuel in the into this offense with Devontae Smith with Dallas Goddard, and you give him Jalen Hurts, that seems like uh, a recipe for a lot of success. Hey, Dolphins, call him <laughs> up. <laughs> that would turn – if the Dolphins got him, that would be like the most fantasy football to real NFL team come oh, to yes. life, I think, maybe ever. Um, yeah, I mean, for the Eagles, though, it is it is a, a, a I think a reasonable question to ask. Um, I don't see him moving, though. I, I think – a lot of times in these situations, especially in the NFL, where like player movement and 
autonomy is not at all what it's you know i said they were taking notes from the nba the nba guy if this was the nba i would oh, believe yeah. it i'd be like well it's gone like it's that's it it just does it really doesn't work that way in the nfl um because the the league the owners the front office has just way more leverage than the players do in these situations um you know you count in the non-guaranteed contracts and the franchise tag like there's tons of ways that these guys it's similar to baseball right where guys just get like puppeteered a little bit yeah. into into being paid less money so um weird teams being mentioned though uh off the rip by ian rapaport about where the interest is coming from mentioned the jets the packers which definitely makes sense after they traded Devonte adams uh the lions why on earth would <laughs> debo samuel want to go to the lions is beyond me um and there was one more team too. the jets is interesting yeah. because they could conceivably in like two years be a very good team and they were in on tyree kill yeah allegedly. like they're and i mean i they have money and i think they don't really have a, a wide receiver superstar that you know i could see that i could mm-hmm. see that being a very real real interest and that could actually like move somewhere eagles would be interesting too though and they have the draft capital to do yeah Especially after that trade with the Saints that they made, that was, and we know the 49ers, I'm sure would like to recoup some some draft capital yeah. because moved up to draft a quarterback that you played for like seven <laughs> snaps. So no, mo- no, not as much on Jimmy Garoppolo either. No, um, that's gone a little quiet. I don't know if that's gonna come draft night. Yeah, or anything like that. Draft only a week away, which is snuck up on crazy us. to think about. Um, but Debo and Midnight Green would be fantastic. And I think Allie Roseman needs to do whatever it takes to potentially make that happen because that's the type of receiver that, like, elevates this offense to the next level. Gives you, like, that true number one. And then Devontae Smith, a lot of pressure gets alleviated off of him. You put Quez Watkins in the slot, and now you have a legit-looking offense. Again, the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I think it's time, Matt. Is it time? Let's get into our buffs and snuffs survivor talk. Uh... It's brought to you by our pals over at Bino Board. You guys can go to BinoBoard.com. That's B-I-N-H-O-B-O-A-R-D.com. And use our code BinoUSP, B-I-N-H-O-U-S-P, for 10% off your entire order at BinoBoard.com. The uh, the preview for this week's episode was absolutely magical. Mike and Omer bonding over just differences and and learning from each other and potentially aligning with each other which is great for my fantasy team uh because those are both of my players but last week uh lydia gets voted out they have applebee's the hourglass is now two for two getting smashed and uh we have merged yeah um it's interesting too because felt like you know all the discussion was about tori gotta get tori out and it just felt like She's going to win immunity, and she does. And then it turns to our, our sweet Jonathan, and I was so concerned. Um, thankfully, not the case. Yes. Um, but Lydia being voted out was was a little surprising because high 
had almost gone to rocks for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to know what exactly changed his mind. I think maybe he just understood that the tide was against him and it was maybe just time to cut cut away from her. Right. Um, but that was an interesting decision. Omer is great episode for him because uh, he did discover, thankfully, before he went to tribal that he didn't have a vote. Yes. Um, but he used that knowledge to kind of like light a fire under his own ass to make sure that he did everything he could to keep him and his ally safe. Kept Jonathan in the game because I think if he doesn't kind of do the the little web weaving that he does, Jonathan maybe maybe goes home on that vote, honestly. Um, so really impressed with him and his ability to kind of turn the tides. You hope that that doesn't make him like a bigger target though because that, you know, people will talk and realize that Omer was at, at the heart of some of that vote. I've said this about Jonathan too though. Everyone is calling them him their shield and that could be dangerous for them because that could be an easy path for Jonathan to like a final five situation and from there it's like anyone can like get to the <laughs> final tribal mm-hmm. council at that point like it doesn't it doesn't really matter so do you really want to give someone that from our account at least seems like a very impressive player and could win the game it just feels like when everyone is treating him like a shield it feels like everyone's kind of like going at each other not recognizing yeah. that hey you're leaving a, a very large threat in the game but um yeah, the hourglass stuff was interesting. Glad, glad that's back. Um, you also found out why Roxroy wears his uh, right his glasses. Uh, emotional discussion for him. I liked his perspective mm-hmm. on, you know, I think it'd be very easy if you get picked to be on exile in the situation that it puts you in to like be very upset or glum about that. And I liked his perspective shift on like actually, you know, what? this is beautiful. Um, probably not as great that he mentioned. I'm not here with my nagging wife. Um, <laughs> he's probably watching this episode with his wife. Um, have, In the doghouse. I kind of have to imagine that was a conversation he had to go a little delicate with. But um, yeah, good good perspective from him. I, I like to get a little bit out of that. It's just the twist is, is not great because it's so obvious mm-hmm. to the person that they're going to smash it because it gives them immunity. Right. Um, without that, I don't know that there'd be any reason really to shatter it. So you no. almost... it's. A bad twist, I think, because it's very obvious, the choice. And if that one qualifier giving them immunity wasn't there, it would also be a very obvious choice in the other direction. Why would you right. switch it up? Like, there's no benefit to you. In fact, it's probably only a net negative. Whereas now it's like, okay, well, you weren't there for the last two days. Would you like to be safe? Guaranteed. <laughs> there you go. All you have to do is smash this. Easy. Like, it's, And it worked out great for him, too, because Drea, one of his top allies, was essentially saved by that right like i I don't know that she would have been voted off necessarily but gave her you know immunity and that that solidifies their bond and she's woven into like a very early there's like an eight person alliance that is formed um i have to imagine that that melts away quickly there's just no way that that lasts it feels like there is like kind of like a making of a sub alliance too where on the beach you have mike and jonathan bonding yeah and then you have Mike and Omer bonding. It feels like those three could potentially come together and have, you know, the the strength aspect of things. And then Omer kind of being like a strategist from what we saw in last week's episode. Those three feel like they're starting to... Cl- and then obviously from the, the three tribes split, you had Omer and Jonathan were pretty yeah. tight as well. So Yeah, and Jonathan and Lindsay as well. Mm-hmm. Like those really, and he seems to care a lot about Marianne. He was like upset when he's like, I, yeah. I had to vote for her. Um, yeah, whoever like gets in 
I, I can't remember the original Orange Tribe's uh, name at this point, yeah. but um, they all seem tight, and they They're, all seem like willing to to go with each other. Um, that could be whoever taps into that maybe maybe has himself a good way. I was I was impressed by High again. Mm-hmm. Um, he's at the middle of all this. I just worry that maybe people are catching on to him being good. It feels and, uh, that way, and he. I wouldn't be shocked to see in this episode if there's like some extra attention on high personally i feel like he's not as undercover as i would like him to be yeah uh also last week had that awesome moment with romeo and high yeah um romeo did tweet back at us on twitter which was cool um and that's been kind of the cool thing like you know since they've gone into the diversity initiative having these different stories and different you know walks of life come into the game and then you have a lot of people like have similar Mm -hmm. you know backgrounds and stuff like that where they can bond over you know, things that they deal with back home. And it was really cool to see those two kind of bond together. Yeah. I, I was talking about it uh, with someone over the weekend that I don't think it's a coincidence that this season and last season have had great casts, like great yeah. people, interesting people with, with interesting backgrounds and good at the game too. And enjoyable to watch on your television screen. I don't think it's a coincidence that those two seasons and casts have coincided with the new like diversity initiative. Like, I just don't think that's, I, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. I, I think too, like Survivor, at least recently, has moved away from like the, um, the like, subtitle of the season. You know, mm-hmm. like no one's being cast into an archetype. Yeah, it's not like healers versus hustlers versus heroes or like blue collar versus white collar. It's like. <laughs> We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Cremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. These are just mostly normal people. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like they're, they're still, you still get your oddballs and you still get your like Ivy League corporate lawyers, whatever types. Like, you know, like you still get some of those people, but um, for the most part, like, I don't know. I feel like I could walk into a bar and see any of these people. And I think that's, that's what Survivor should always be is like pretty representative of like the country, you know? Yeah. Before we get into our, our, three up three down i was watching uh a podcast that chase rice was on uh obviously acclaimed uh survivor runner up and he was talking about how like he wasn't even like trying to be on survivor he just got kind of picked he was working for nascar at the time as like a pit guy and they uh they were like hey do you want to be on this show survivor and he was like yeah sure why not and then he was like i'm not even really that good at the game He was like, you can go on Survivor and not be good at the game and make Mm -hmm. your way all the way through. He was like, that's exactly what I did. I wasn't that good. I wasn't the strat. He said I was in challenges that were for immunity his season. He was 0-6. Challenges for food, he was (laughs) 6-0. It was just very entertaining and very funny stuff from Chase Rice. I think one of the most disliked seasons of all. He was like... There's so many people that tell me that I got robbed. He was like, no, I shouldn't have even been that far. 
<laughs> it was very, very funny. Good good humility, though. You know, Fair enough. Um, I would say being able to say that about yourself probably does actually make you a good Survivor player. Because yeah. <laughs> being a good Survivor player, I think ultimately boils down to is do people like you? Correct. Like, the strategy is important in understanding that, and I, I think that's a fascinating... And you have to remember, too, that was, you know, 20-plus seasons. I think he was... Yeah, that was... I think Nicaragua was uh, season 20. Yeah. Or, or thereabout. Um, so things have changed since then, too, right? But, like, I think Survivor... No matter what, no matter certainly in the earlier seasons too, but even still now, people have to like you to win. Mm -hmm. Like in how do you be a likable person? You listen, (laughs) you have humility. (laughs) You know, you're you can maybe have an interesting career or hobby, uh, charming, nice, comforting, a good sport. Like like, Chase Rice has done just that. He went from NASCAR (laughs) to Survivor. Right. To starting country music. Yeah, he was like a handsome country boy. Yeah, to then being and on it the was bachelor. The, it was the young versus old season. Yeah. Of course, everyone on the young tribe was like, Chase, kind of cool dude. I don't know. <laughs> then he goes on The Bachelor, and now he's just a country music superstar. Yeah. So What a life. Yeah, real real befuddling, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into our three up, three down, uh, heading into this week's episode. I mean, I think Jonathan still kind of firmly entrenched there until proven otherwise. For me, uh, I think high is like there still, but like we both said, kind of tilting on uh, kind of getting found out that he's really good at the game. And then uh, for his move last week, I got to go Omer. Yeah, I think um, I can't disagree with any of those, actually. Uh, Dre has been a mainstay for me, I think, in my top three a lot, but I think Omer's move... And the fact that he's allied with Jonathan, that's a tough duo to break apart. And really, High seems to be involved in that mm-hmm. that as well. So all three of them, I think, uh, at the top for me. Hard. It's a tough competition at the top, though, which is good. Yeah. Who do you got uh, in your bottom? <sighs> bottom. Bottom. Uh, sorry, Rockstar. You had a beautiful moment last week. But um, can't say. I, I just don't see it. Uh, Rockstar, Chanel, and... Marianne still, I think, unfortunately. Um, I didn't think it was great that Jonathan was like, well, if we have to cut bait with Marianne, we can. That's not a good place to find yourself. Um, And Roxroy's only... I did think Roxroy has shown times of good self-awareness and aware that people are trying to play him and soothe his ego or whatever. So he's not not like an idiot. Mm -hmm. I hope that's not the analysis, the way it comes across. I just think that, like we just said... You have to be well-liked, I think, in the end of Win Survivor. I think that there are still people that find him a little abrasive. Maybe that has waned. I don't know. Um, and we don't know how much of that is actually true. Or it's just mm-hmm. played up for the camera. You know, we have to remember everything we see out of them is, like, edited. Right. Sometimes even out of context. But um, from what we've seen, I have to imagine most people are probably not voting for Roxroy um, to win. And Chanel, I think, is still... She's on the outs. I mm-hmm. mean, <laughs> the entire pretty much last episode is her walking up to a group of people and then saying yeah we go fishing (laughs) yeah i'm gonna follow you like it was the worst so awkward uh i think on the verge of the bottom three just from what we saw from like the next time on survivor romeo seems like he's trying to do too much too quickly and and just trying to get people out but not having a real calculated plan carrying too many plates at once yeah and i think that could backfire a lot on him um especially because it doesn't seem like he's 
really firmly entrenched in any of like the core alliances whatsoever. Yeah, I think that's that's totally fair. So we're gonna go catch Survivor, but before we end this episode, gonna announce our Nick Castellanos jersey winner. Uh, it is at IDK my BFF Jamie on Twitter. Great Matt, name. I picked this one, scrolled through, uh, and the the Twitter banner. I think you'll you'll approve of. It's a beautiful cat that actually looks a lot like my cat. Yes. So, shout out to Jamie. So Jamie, shout out to Jamie, and uh, their wonderful looking cat. I will. Uh, we'll be sending you a DM from the Underground Sports Philadelphia account to get your info and get you your Nick Castellanos jersey. Thank you to everybody that entered. We had almost 400 people enter, which is one of our bigger giveaways uh, of all time. I think the biggest was the Jimmy Butler jersey giveaway. That was our first like big spark and then we had our that was one of the first breaking news uh yeah, stories if not the had. first we had that we had uh in his prime demarcus cousins going to the warriors yeah. um and just a number of news breaking things and today is the jay wright episode <laughs> uh but thank you guys to everybody who entered there will be more giveaways in the future um especially as, as long as Nick Castellanos keeps hitting them to left field to make it a 4 nothing ball game. Uh, be sure to follow us on the socials at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. really helps uh, more and more people find the show, including a ton of people in Armenia, where we are still in the top 100 podcasts uh, on the sports charts over there. And uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Click the like button. Comment You know your thoughts on the Phillies kind of up and down slow start. Your feelings on Sixers and the Raptors. Uh, Debo Samuels talk. And, uh, of course, if you're a Survivor fan, tap in. We'd love to hear from you as well and build our little core uh, niche Survivor fandom that we have on this podcast when Survivor is in season. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search Underground Sports Philadelphia on YouTube. Big thank you to our sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, Tomahawk Shades. Use code USP at checkout for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. Go to PlayPickup.com and play the NL East run differential props that we have up on Pickup's website, as well as a number of other headlines that you can play props on at PlayPickup.com. Kenwood Beer, go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. you got to be 21 or older to do so, and of course, please drink responsibly. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 422. For Matt, I'm KB, and until next time, we are signing off. Peace. Peace.